everyone, and welcome to a Gem of a Secret podcast. My name is Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How you doing tonight, Coco? I'm really wondering why Drag Race only accepts people from Chicago and New York. And L.A. And L.A. I was yeah. I was watching a roast, um, this roast before Monet got on Drag Race. It's mm-hmm. right after Bob won. Mm-hmm. And um, they were roasting some famous queen in the city and... I think they were in Chicago, I think. And, like, yeah. Miss Cracker was up there, obviously, before her season, too. Like, who's part of that? Tina Burner was also part of the dais as well. Mm. Well, it and, sounds like New York, then, because those are all New okay, York queens. It's probably all New York. <laughs> 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 but I was, I, I was like, watching. I was like, did they just look at this video and then book all these people to be... And because I the the reason I knew it was because uh, Bob makes a joke about Monet. If you like, if you like Monet Exchange is here, you know the one girl on the stage who will never make it to Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> like I just and it's so funny and all of them, looking at them in that lighting and like you know the makeup is ter- Tina Burner's makeup was rough mm-hmm. in that lighting. Uh, Monet looked fabulous in that way. lighting. <laughs> I don't I don't think you needed that qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> just. Her makeup looks rough. Um, <laughs> and I I was thinking to myself, I was like, did like the producers, like, did the producers just live in New York and fuck these people or something? Like, that's what I was thinking to myself. It seems like there's always at least like four or five girls. <laughs> like, how, like a quarter of the season is, is made up of like girls from New York. I know. And it's like, there's other bigger cities that, you know, I, I know, I just, it just hit me sideways mm-hmm. to like, because for them, I bet they're like, oh my God, look before we made it on the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, look at all of you who yeah. live in New York before you made it on the show. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It's, it's, um, frustrating because considering there's never been a girl from portland and there's only been two queens from denver yeah and and a couple of queens from arizona mm -hmm. and then that you have like a very rare occasion where you'll have a queen from back swamp north carolina like (laughs) stacy lane (laughs) matthews but you know for, for the most part that's really rare that you have anyone that comes from any of these smaller rural areas yeah, and it's it's kind of alarming actually, because yeah. Yeah. Um, the show really is becoming about Chicago and New York, yeah, and L.A. and yeah. that's just a little funky in my opinion. Well, what are you wearing tonight, Coco? Oh yeah, so I wasn't prepared for this, but I am in an outfit because we still do this in drag. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> today's look is all feathers. <laughs> yeah. All feathers. It's very um, big bird. Yeah. Not a shape though. I'm just wearing feathers. Oh yeah. Um. I did not use my breast form today, so I do look like a potato. Mm-hmm. But um, my headpiece is to die for. Well, it is Easter after all, so, you know. <laughs> so in, I went with feathers. In the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, yes, we're filming this on Easter. Yes. Hi, listeners. Yes. Donna, yeah. what are you wearing this evening? Well, I don't celebrate Easter because it's a sham holiday that was originally a <laughs> pagan holiday. <laughs> but um, has been co-opted by Christians. <laughs> so I'm just wearing high heels and overalls. Oh, cute. I'm yeah, just, it's very chic. It <laughs> has I, a shape. I have my Rosie the Riveter bandana on, so I'm feeling just very industrial. <laughs> <laughs> was Rosie the Riveter a real person? I don't think so. Okay, I, I think don't know it that. was. You know, it was meant to be like women should help our men that are out in the war. <laughs> Donna explaining, she's explaining this with hand motions. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing. She's like, be out there. Like, <laughs> like with a stabbing motion. <laughs> you know, listeners, if we're wrong, write us in the comments. Somewhere. I could totally be wrong. Rosie the Riveter is probably based off of a real person. Yeah. And because a lot of those things were, you know, like that kissing photo from way back in the day. That was sexual assault. <laughs> Yeah, th- that's what I was going to get to. But, you know, just <laughs> jump to the end of the story, Donna. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like romantic like they made it seem it was he they didn't he didn't even know that nurse and he just like grabbed her and kissed her i know super super offensive yeah yeah uh so we are gonna have a special guest this evening because today's topic we are going to talk about how to process through drama yes yeah something that we've all had to do and something that as a drag queen you will probably always have to do inevitably on yeah. a continual basis because we have we have egos like every drag artist thinks that they are the god's gift to drag if they don't it's part of a shtick but they do they do still like what they produce mm-hmm. even if they are just garbage or something yeah um, and sometimes even if you're trying to stay out of it if you're one of those people that are like no drama people others will try and drag you into it so yeah that's another thing and sometimes when you're a no drama person you can cause drama even because of that yeah like we've had 
instances in the city with people who um, are very high up on the booking food chain who chose to stay out of drama, which obviously pushes them into it. Because yeah, or even not so much drama, but like bigger things, like yeah. not speaking out about like huge issues yes. that are affecting the community. Exactly. I think that that's something too. It's like, you know, you can be like, I'm no drama. I, I'm not involved. I just kind of do my thing and I work and da 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 da. But I think drag kind of started as a means of having a voice for your community when others, do, you know, don't. Right. Uh, it's kind of about putting a message out on a big platform and and also standing up for those who are disenfranchised um, because drag queens have always kind of been activists and big movers and shakers in the in the gay rights movement. Yes. Drag queens of color specifically. Yeah. Drag queens have been at the forefront of every movement. Yeah. And so have drag kings as well. Yeah. So we are going to actually, you know, before I get there, I don't want to give too much away. I'm going to ask now, Donna, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'll let you know after this brief commercial break. Do you wear t-shirts? Do you wear a face mask? I sure as hell hope so. Do you put on your silly little t-shirt and your silly little face mask and wish you had something a little more out there? Yes. Even something, dare I say, matching? Girl, yes, duh. Then it looks like HunterDrips.com is exactly what you need. At HunterDrips.com, socially relevant merch and apparel is up for sale. That's never for profit. 50 to 100% of every purchase is donated. I hear they carry matching shirts and masks with designs that say cute little slogans like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and it goes over your nose and even shirts and hats with your own pronouns on them. You know, things that are important. Oh, so you mean important. And almost all of it is donated? Yes, donated. And guess what? What? It's size inclusive too? Yes, up to 5XL. Why just make clothes for skinny people? It's all made by Queer Artist Girl. The creator of HunterDrips.com is trans, fat, lesbian, and the site also includes merch from other queer artists, including gay Portland rapper Toto. Listeners, head on over to HunterDrips.com and use the code SECRET for 15% off your purchase today. That's SECRET for 15% off your purchase at HunterDrips.com. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I am feeling quite good because it's a family affair today. We have your drag daughter here with us here on this happy Easter Sunday. (laughs) She's been on the podcast before. Yes. So how would you like to introduce her? I'd like to introduce you to the pornography enthusiast and would-be reality TV star if their parents hadn't been hiding their abuse. Touche, douche. Thank you, everybody. I'm so happy to be here on this blessed morning. (laughs) (laughs) No one believes that. Um, I think it's, this is so, so one thing I was going to talk to you about, just because we're going to use this podcast to unpack some things. I think it's so interesting how you performed recently in somebody's show, A Pajama Jam. And did you tell them to introduce you incorrectly every time? (laughs) Or was that a mistake on their part? I think this specific individual was trying to be funny. Oh. Because I had not told them about this name. (laughs) (laughs) I think they kept calling her Touche Douche, I believe, as when they were introducing her. And I was like, who's that? (laughs) Isn't that what... Bolivia calls you? Bolivia calls me touchy Dutchy. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yes, there's lots of different iterations of my name, but it's all the same hatred. (laughs) It's all the same hatred? (laughs) I like calling you Touche just for short, but I don't say Touche Douche. I just say Touche. T-O-O-S-H. Like toothbrush or toothbrush? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. That was an obscene gesture. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing this isn't a visual medium for our listeners. Yeah, so we brought Touche Duche on because um, this is a Portland-based podcast. And Touche has been in the root of so many, so very many <laughs> Scandals. 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 Absolutely scandals. For doing drag for such a small amount of time. 
but everybody knows who she is now because um, <laughs> they would have to because those posts, some of those posts go viral. So yeah. what we wanted to talk about today is how you process through drama, how you go through it, how you recover from it, how it affects your bookings or if it has affected your bookings. So um, my first question would be, when did you, because when we first met you, you weren't really vocal. You weren't really like a shaker in the scene. You didn't really like create waves. When did that change? Probably when my feud with Bougie Cherry started. Oh my gosh. A name was dropped on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to like think back and I, I think that's probably pretty accurate because yeah. I don't really remember much kind of drama happening before then with you. No, there wasn't really anything. And like, the only reason I think it changed was because Bougie was someone who I had had this like really kind of like building this close relationship with as all of us kind of were. And then mm-hmm. her whole thing went down and then I was getting really fed up as to how she was treating people. So the reason I got so vocal was because I felt like there was mistreatment of people I cared about from another person I felt I had an intimate relationship with. And then it kind of just spiraled from there. Yeah. That makes sense. I understand. I mean, I definitely understand from that perspective, like why you you would want to get in and like defend people that are being treated that way. Because you and I actually Mm -hmm. both hopped in on the drama with Angel, yes. yeah, more so. names. <laughs> more names. More names are gonna be dropped. You and I ah! both. You and I both were like, oh. although we had very different approaches we to the did. drama. We did. Yes, I was like, please learn how to spell, and you were like, I'm really disappointed in your character. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, and so we're both Aries, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely. So we're is showing we're through. ready for a fight. Yeah, all the time. But I actually think it started before Bougie in one aspect. So um, another person who's been on our podcast a lot is um, our friend Autumn Rain's heart. And um. Autumn, Autumn very much so loved to push Touche's buttons in every aspect. Mm-hmm. And I remember there became a point when Touche was, she went to Autumn in the bar and said, I am never buying you a drink again. <laughs> I, do, I do remember this. Well, it's because like Autumn would, Autumn would be, let's just say Autumn would be shitty towards you. She I would mean, throw I, things at me. She would, yeah. <laughs> she would, she would throw things at you. Inflatable pool toys, burritos, beverages. She would throw things at me and I was sick of it. Cosmetic wedges from the back, cotton it balls. A, it was a lot. And I'm like, what kind of monkey in a zoo? are you throwing the <laughs> shit at me constantly <laughs> it was very annoying <laughs> oh that's very funny to me <laughs> yeah i just remember she went up to autumn with very stone-faced and said i'm never buying you a drink again and she was being so serious at the time as much as a 21 year old touche could be God. which means not at all <laughs> that was but two years ago now yeah she was holding true to her convictions there's a couple of other instances with mm-hmm. autumn but it just touche got to a point where she's like I don't want to feel like a punching bag anymore yeah I don't want to feel like everybody's making fun of me and so I'm going to stick up for myself and then her personality went through this insane 180 from this very nice sweet whore of a girl we met to this very aggressive horrible monster sometimes really smart though like she was like really sweet and innocent and kind of dumb before and then she was like oh I'm actually smart that was just a character (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I want everyone to like me. And then I'm like, I want everyone to hate me. And then things got worse. <laughs> yeah. But I think that I think the public part of it was um, the bougie stuff. I, right. I can admit to that. Yeah. I don't think there was anything like because Autumn doesn't write online or anything. And so no, still no. doesn't write online. She just actively just doesn't engage with people on the Internet. And I just disappear from online completely, Mm -hmm. except for other platforms. I just don't like Facebook. I feel like most of the drama happens on Facebook. I hate Facebook, too, because every, like, 15 days I get muted for 30 days. Like, I'm in my day 28 of my next 30-day mute that just happened the other day. So, like... (laughs) So, would you agree that that's kind of the platform that most of this happens on, then? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Well, Twitter has a lot of beef. It's just really hard to follow it on Twitter, to be honest. Yeah. I, I agree. You have yeah. to see that because like right. Denver was going through like some massive drama like two well, months and ago. And Portland isn't really on Twitter either. Portland's mostly Facebook because they're yeah. old. 
Facebook or Instagram, mm -hmm. I'd say. Yeah, and the Instagram stuff, actually, I, no, you're right. I will admit this, because Touche does this garbage too. Mm -hmm. um, Portland uses their Instagram stories. For their <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Touche is always posting on, on stories for her beef. <laughs> yeah, she, I, my favorite stories of Touche, because this interview is just us going to be reading Touche for everything <laughs> she's done, um, will be when Touche is too drunk in the morning after a gig, and she has, 27 Instagram live stories <laughs> and they don't mean I'm sorry like they don't mean anything <laughs> and she's just like I'm gonna tell you guys what happened today and the next one will be like I really love pots and pans <laughs> I just... they're just non sequiturs honestly <laughs> It's like it's I'm like, like wondering like what's happening. I'm like, is a story, okay? A story full of non sequiturs. I'm just like, okay. I like to exist in the world of Mad Libs. So yeah. that's kind of where I go with things when I'm intoxicated. So do you have a certain level of anxiety because oh, of yeah, the the feuds that you've gotten into with people? I do. Um, because here's my thing is I really don't like conflict i'm just mm -hmm. i and this is kind of another reason that me and coke have talked about why she picks the drag family she does is i hate seeing people bullied and i hate seeing mm -hmm. people taken advantage of so like when i see wrongdoing it really pisses me off and it like festers and then it causes also a lot of anxiety because it's like then i stand up for this person and it becomes this whole thing and it's redirected onto me and it's just like okay, I'm going to deal with this. So now um, my solution is I just have a prescription of Xanax that I just have on me pretty consistently. <laughs> yeah. It's so anxiety inducing. I remember, I mean, anytime I've, I've even, even the situation with Angel, like it did give me a certain level of anxiety because like there are people who draw lines in the sand during any type of like public yeah. feud. Mm -hmm. And there's people that you thought that you were like cool with that are all of a sudden like not having your back and like right. kind of, you know, it like, it's, it's just really interesting. You get a better idea of like how, what people actually think about you. And it's like, wow, do people actually even really like me <laughs> or mm -hmm. what's That's going on? Like, um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, the thing is, I know I know that it it causes like anxiety in you. So I wanted to check in it's with you and, and and see if that was something that has been affecting you. And that's yeah, yeah. yeah it definitely is something that does affect you. Um, you. Conflict like isn't pleasant for anybody. And for people no. who do enjoy conflict, they should really be studied um, and figure <laughs> out why that is. Because mm -hmm. it's like being at peace with people and being able to have honest discussions and dialogues about differences i think is a sign of maturity and so when it gets to a point that you have to be aggressive like that it's really shocking because it's almost reverting to an earlier state of evolution in the human psyche where it's a me versus you versus mm. an us versus them situation because it becomes very personal and mm -hmm. people start nitpicking at things not necessarily involved with the situation they start tearing down yourself as a character yeah yeah, yeah absolutely which is that's interesting because i've seen that happen a lot in like influencer drama too it doesn't just have to be like between local drag queens that's exactly. a, a lot of the ways that influencers fight is they'll bring they'll drudge up things from people's past that have nothing to do with the situation at hand that people are having an issue with and it's mm -hmm. like it's unfair and it, it's it's definitely like a low blow and I think that's like the the kind of consequence that we have of being a public figure in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form, even if it is in a small way of just being a local drag queen in Portland, Oregon, you know? Very much that. And Portland is a city of screenshots and a city of receipts. So mm -hmm. I know there are some people who have albums in their phone of different drama, not necessarily involving them. They just hold on to it just in case someone wants to talk about things again. I will be, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm one of those people specifically. But, um, <laughs> I know Touche is, and actually that's part of being a holiday actually yeah. you you grab it just in case you need it i mean you just you just coco's always record. said screenshot screenshot mm -hmm. always <laughs> screenshot oh. always and because some of the times what really sucks is like when it does get to which we'll get to this part in a second mm -hmm. about your bookings so mm -hmm. like when somebody's like oh i girl i heard you did this with this person or whatever and so i'll send the screenshot and be like this is what happened and they're like, oh, that's not what I was told. And I'm right. like, yeah, no, I know. And I just like receipts really help in the Portland scene because it'll keep you from being canceled. It'll keep you, it'll be able to give you your bookings and things like that. And, and it's just like a huge conversation. Have you noticed that any of your online beef 
I mean, it's not like people probably directly tell you, but have you, well, actually, let's even ask the question. Has anybody, when you've asked for booking, reached out and been like, yeah, no, because of online drama? No, actually, I haven't had like an effect on my bookings per se, mostly because my beef really started like two months before quarantine hit and everything shut down. So there really mm. wasn't any bookings other than people generating online stuff. So it didn't really affect my bookings per se. And now that things are starting to get back up and running, I've transitioned out of being just a queen looking for gigs to being a queen who generates gigs for people. I don't think it necessarily affects my bookings, but it definitely affects how people interact with me and how they go about choosing social circles and um, engaging publicly in our community spaces. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's dive into some drama too. So okay. I so on one of so Touche throws a monthly show called Flushed mm -hmm. at local lounge that happens on the first Tuesday. And this month, um, she has two versions of this. I, I what's mm -hmm. it called for the Saturday one? Double ply. We're calling it Flushed Double Ply. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a really clever name. It Thank really you. is clever. Um, mm -hmm. Touche's really good about clever names when it comes to the stupid garbage she comes up with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so on one of your posts for Flushed, you had Takara Campbell Star in it. Mm -hmm. And underneath it, um, somebody from the ISRC had commented that I don't feel safe coming to a Touche show. Explain that a little bit for us. Like, how does it make you feel that these, these things are being out there? specifically with with this situation it's just kind of like an eye roll moment because it's like i know the person who made the comment i know their history and i know why they're doing this and it's just like okay girl do what you got to do to cling to your relevancy i just like <laughs> <laughs> so in this specific one it's not that big of a thing for me but it does make me uncomfortable that people could see that and be like oh does this person cause problems at their events which you guys have been to my events and you're like that's not what happens there i really go out of my way to make everyone included and to also to book a diverse and inclusive cast as well so that there's not only um representation in the audience but representation on stage so that everyone has a chance to see what they want to see so it really hurts me when people feel the need to like say that sort of thing um without even taking a moment to try and identify within themselves why they feel that way because mm. if this person looked within themselves and examined why they don't feel safe at my events they would find it's because of their past actions and the accountability that's been held against them because of their behavior involving other people that's a really great that's answer fair. Actually. yeah mm -hmm. that's absolutely fair that was, that's pretty woke for you girl Thank I wish you. people got to see the side of you a little bit more often. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I mean, you have too, and I have, and probably Britt has at the same time about why we're drag family in, mm -hmm. a, in some capacity and why we cling to these things, especially when each of us have been involved in our own really public Portland dramas. Very um, much so. And, I, and some of them I don't want to call drama because that uh, really um, diminishes certain acts that happened mm -hmm. against people in our family. Right. So we've all like got through on the other side. And I've always told people, I said, like, regardless of how we act publicly, it's not necessarily how we act privately. Um, I was like, we are still human creatures. I was like, we have feelings, anxiety. Like, we we are not immune to having our feelings hurt, is what I like to tell people. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just reality. I mean, I know all three of us who live here in Portland come off with strong personalities, but it's also doesn't mean we're immune to having our feelings hurt. Exactly. I mean, if you remember last summer when the bougie stuff heated back up again, because I'm happy to say me and bougie are fine now. We've actually finally had a chance to sit down and get our stuff figured out. So we're good and we're actually amicable and working towards bettering our relationship again, which I'm thrilled to see moving in a positive direction. But if you remember last summer, like I was spiraling because of it mm -hmm. <laughs> and was yes. like getting really mad at people who are still engaging with this person because they were going so far with something and i'm just like why won't we let this go and why aren't you holding them accountable and it just it hurts because as an individual with an intimacy it's like i wish more people would be there for me and after that fact i actually found out you guys had done things to stick up for me that i just wasn't aware of but in the moment i had my humanity just exposed and it just really hurt and it's hard to move past those things when you don't see everything going on and that's the thing too is when you're having those human moments you don't always realize that there's things happening beyond your perception involving you especially when it's public stuff like that yeah, I think specifically with mm -hmm. that situation, we all kind of tried to do our part the most mm -hmm. that we could to try and 
like remedy things. Right. I know I definitely did it. Like it, even when it came to like talking with her about it and reaching right. out. But I think a lot of the times with those situations, you can't force anything. And sometimes like wounds on both sides are not willing to uh, be healed yet. So right. exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I was like, I, for the longest time, I, I perpetuated. And that's where the thing with me and Bougie lasted so long is we'd both kind of simmer down and then one of us would start it again. And they would heat back up again and then simmer down. And, like, we both did it, like, pretty consistently to the point where, you know, it just was this anger. But, you know, again, people grow and we were finally able to have that conversation. But I appreciated what you guys did after the fact that I learned about it uh, to try and remedy the situation. Right. And so for our listeners, actually, I will. I wanted to share, and I think me and Touche said this on our podcast that we have called Cooking Up a Queen, a short limited series. Yes. We, I said to Touche during all of it, I said, you have to remember something specifically. I was like, even if a friend of yours um, is like, you know, gassing you up and like, you know, telling you like, oh yeah, that person sucks. This is what happened to you. What you're going to inevitably see is you're going to be in the bar and that person is going to like walk over and buy a drink for the person that they commiserated um, with you about. And like, and it's going to be really heartbreaking. It really does. It almost feels like worse than cheating. Cause like you're, somebody's like really on your side. Like, oh yeah, girl, she wronged you. And like, oh my God, I can't believe her. I'll never trust her again. And then you literally see in the same exact, in the same sentence, like that girl at the bar getting a drink and like, it's gonna, and I remember telling you this on my way home from work. I was like, it's going to hurt when it happens. Cause it will happen. It happened a lot too. So <laughs> yeah, it happened a lot. Cause I mean, Let's be honest, Bougie is one of the most successful, most popular queens in the city. So it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of people know her and a lot of people were very friendly with them. So like there'd be some situations where I would just be venting with somebody that I had a relationship with and like, oh my God, the same situation you're saying. Like, yeah, that really sucks that this is happening. But then the next week I'd see them out hanging out with them at their table. I'd just be like, what the fuck? Do I have no one in my corner? (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Which is shitty. But like at the same time, and this is what drag queens have to realize when it comes to drama we're not all friends where sometimes we just have to be able to work with somebody and that's the place where i'm getting to is like i don't have to be friends with these people that i don't get along with um, but i can be a place where i'm amicable and professional with them which is another fun word portland likes to throw around without really knowing what it is but just being amicable and professional is where you got to get with things even if you don't necessarily like the person or what they do with themselves yeah and i think that there's a grow there's a learning lesson in this too i mean because as much as you hate that i say this as often as i do you are relatively young and you're also new to drag i mean even though you've been doing it now for roughly two years and you were performing a lot so that you have kudos you have a say in the scene because of that and you put your dues in um and to where now you're getting booked regularly you have your own show mm-hmm. um which is just you know a really great and amazing feat but there is this era of professionalism that has to exist and it sucks too though because um it doesn't leave a lot of room for mistakes me and donna were talking about you like yesterday and she said something along the lines of she said i love touche to death but she, she's also learning a lot like and there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes that come from you know just being new to this specific area here because i remember you wanted like you wanted to show like really early on, like you were like six months into drag and you were like, oh yeah, I, I'm like, I want to do my own show and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, girl, you got a lot to learn before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. So another question that I did have for you then is when did the Instagram stories start? I started using Instagram stories just as like a fun little way to engage with this little corner of the internet I have just because I like I'm, I'm a quirky person and I'm weird and my mind goes into very strange places at times. So I'm like, it's a little 30 second camera I can just hold record on and put it on the internet. Sometimes I have really funny things like when I canceled Shandy for not liking mint chip ice cream. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was great. But then it got to a point where, you know, I would get frustrated because this public beef would come out. And so I would use it as a way to like make it almost like satirical like oh this is what's happening to me and you should feel this way about it because this is how i feel about it also Mm -hmm. look at these plants you know (laughs) so that's kind of like it's kind of like was almost like satire but at the same time it was a way for me to vent and get things publicly at least from my perspective on things because there are people who will take a story and turn it into their perspective because you always know with a story there's your truth my truth and the truth Mm. so it's that's pretty that's elevated so it's sharing your perspective on it and then people can pull from it what they will 
Yeah, I, I feel like I noticed, I, I know that they probably started well before this, and I think they did, because I do remember seeing them before, mm -hmm. but I noticed, like, an influx of them happening around, like, the stag stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, the stag on. stuff, definitely. The reason, I, I think that's exactly, exactly when it would start, is because when I learned about what had been happening at stag and the history of the venue, I was really upset with myself, because I patroned there a lot. and We I all did. did. Yeah, and I did shows there a lot. Like that mm -hmm. was one of the first bars I had a regular show at. Um, most of, many of us did. And then learning the history of it after the fact and then the lack of accountability there was really frustrating to me because it's like this is clearly harm that's happening within our community. And this is someone who's doing wrong to many of us, but so many of us are just choosing to ignore it or like not engage with it. And that really bothered me. Yeah, I think that it was good of you to speak up on that for sure. Yeah, you definitely um, jumped into the heat of some really important issues. Sometimes you jumped in when it wasn't necessary, but that one was, I feel like was really important to like get involved and have that conversation and start those dialogues. Right. Regardless of how people felt about how you did it, I think it was important that you did something. Right, well, because and I appreciate you saying that because it's got to be talked about. And if nobody's talking about it, nothing's going to happen. And I mean, look at us now. The person who caused the issues is no longer involved with the establishment. It's a completely new management, a new owner and stuff. So it's like whether or not that was a direct result of what myself and Shandy and Ann JT and a bunch of other people did or not, change did occur. I and think so, it was. Honestly, I think it had something to do with it. I mm -hmm. think once they saw the amount of hate that they were getting online, and I don't want to actually, you know what, I don't even want to just label it as like hate because that's, you know, that implies that this person did something to like, you know, be canceled. And I think that's kind of downplaying like the severity mm -hmm. of kind of the issues that were going on there right. you know a lot of them were were very racial and i think that it was important to try and get some sort of accountability on the situation by that exactly that's how i felt about it too but also it wasn't just racial it was also um sexually predatory behavior like yes. there was it was um abusive it was negligent like there was so much that was happening there under yeah. previous management it was just like how is this still permitted and then also it became a haven for other people who had done harm to the community necessarily outside of the establishment to still be able to succeed and not mm. be held accountable as well so we almost became exactly. like tortuga like empire to the caribbean where there's like no law they can just kind of be there and do whatever like sounds mm -hmm. great in theory but at the same time it's like there's some really bad people who should be held accountable and they shouldn't have a place where they can necessarily hide. You put that very well. I, yeah, I was mm. trying to, I was trying to try to put my finger on what it was that all kind of like went down there. And mm -hmm. you're right. It was, it's, it's more than just like a, a difference of opinion. There were things that were like, could, could be considered criminal that were going on there. Yep. So the, the accountability mm -hmm. was extremely important. And it went back years before even all of us were here. Like yeah. I, from people, I, I really did my research on it and I reached out to people in the community. I'm like, what happened here? Cause I wanted to know if I was complicit in the actions that happened there because I patroned it and promoted it and supported it. Yeah. Um, and it was really like shocking what I uncovered but I really felt that the people need to talk about it. And I feel like I presented it in a way on my Instagram stories, because that's what prompted this conversation that was consumable, but also open for discussion so people can actually engage with it and find ways to talk about what was going on. So I have a question, because mm -hmm. um, I would love to unpack this with you and make uh -oh. everybody uncomfortable. So no, hearing what you said, I think that's mm -hmm. great. And, and me and Don also made a promise to ourselves to actually get more serious on the podcast about certain mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. So I- More um, real. More real. So I've been struggling with something over the last like two weeks, literally appreciating what you just said. And then I've actually known recently, you know, that you stepped out of a recurring spot on somebody else's show because they were doing some racially insensitive things to, they harmed a lot of members of the black community and you stepped down from doing that to mm -hmm. be supportive and stand in solidarity with the community that was being hurt. Now with that, 
I want to know why you, Miss Vocal Thing over there, didn't say anything about that very, 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 very white show that you performed in this last Thursday. Oh, that one, yes. You knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. So about Fooled Yet, I didn't know the talent until like two weeks before. I was kind of just asked to participate, and I'm like, okay yes bookings that i don't have to actually produce this is nice <laughs> so i um was invited to this production over at star theater um it was like a april fool's special then once the cast was announced it became very clear that there was very much a lack of melanin involved in this production and i think the reason i didn't speak up about it one is just because i sorry danner i barely promoted your show first of all um second <laughs> Like, appreciate you having me, but I did not do my job as talent, which I would have fired me if I were me because I just didn't promote it a lot. Um, But I think the reason I didn't engage was I've been very controversial in sharing my opinions on things. I didn't want another person to be mad at me. Not to say that that's a forgiveness of someone's ignorance and that actually probably makes me complicit to as well but in my head and where my energy was i was just like i don't have the like willpower to be in another fight right now (laughs) and it's just exhausting i the only reason and i'll bring that up here too just because I sense because we've name dropped in this episode, this might have mm-hmm. a lot of traction. Um, <laughs> so many names. So, Probably. So, I mean, uh, so need to. Bougie, I'm sorry for bringing up our stuff again. I really actually am happy we've resolved our issues. Yeah, that'll be the one thing that Donna keeps in. <laughs> the <laughs> four minute episode. No, the reason I bring you up is because I've actually been, really been struggling, struggling with it and I've been trying to unpack yeah. why. And I've talked to Donna about it a couple of times. Yeah. About. I think what really bothered me Mm -hmm. is when I found out about it, because I didn't even notice it. I really didn't, because, you know, I'm worried about me and mine and, like, doing the I was the one who told you about it, that it was such a white show. Um, I'm the one who brought it up. You brought it up Uh also, but the first person who told me was Rowan and Sue from Uh, Corporate. So Fallon Love and and Sue from Corporate. And Sue from Corporate was also booked in the show. And then I actually had a really pleasant and beautiful conversation with Danner about it. Danner produces that show. It was great. It was actually a really wonderful conversation. And we're going to do some collaboration stuff in the future that I'm super excited about. Um, And they're also a person of color themselves. Yeah. Um, So that's all great stuff. But then I was like, why am I still bothered? And I realized it's because a lot of the people that were in that show um, are the people who are like you, who Mm -hmm. speak out when things are a little funny. Like, right. And so Mm -hmm. I was wondering why. So I was told about it, so everybody knew it was an issue. Mm -hmm. When I talked to the producer about it, they actually said, yeah, nobody's actually brought it up. It's just, Mm -hmm. I thought it was weird, but nobody brought it up. And I was like, really? Because the most vocal people (laughs) in the city are in the show. (laughs) Why did no one bring it up? And I realized that that has bothered me because, and Mm -hmm. I'll say it here on the podcast first, because I haven't said it online because I thought it would just be too controversial. Well, Coco, you write so many like <laughs> essays on Facebook. I'm sure it would get lost in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's some tea. <laughs> I think I feel uncomfortable that we as Portland, the the city that had four months of BLM protests opposed mm-hmm. to any other uh, city in the world, mm-hmm. we allowed that and we were okay with it. Yeah, I completely understand that, especially with a lot of the cast being people who speak out against like things like a cultural appropriation, you know, um, online on Facebook. I've seen a lot of the posts from Mm -hmm. those people and it not just cultural appropriation, but racial issues. And I completely understand where you're coming from with your situation, Touche, because Mm -hmm. like burning another bridge with like another producer would not Mm -hmm. have been, you know, the best thing. But I think that it is also our responsibility as white people. Um, to to go ahead and talk to the producers and not necessarily have it be like a heated conversation or a call out but talk directly to them and be like hey i think we need a little bit more color in this cast Um, and not just a little Mm -hmm. bit more color we need to have like an even amount of color and there needs to be better representation and uh that's i know like excuses will a lot of the times be made by producers but it's our job to also do the outreach to those entertainers because we all know a lot of entertainers of color because we've been in the scene for you know a couple years now so very much so and i think too because um because i was trying to think on it too because coco brought it up so i'm like what kind of 
why were everyone so quiet about this? And it's not an excuse, but it's like, I think this last year, a lot of white people who are in a little bit more of a diverse friend group and social groups really finally opened their eyes. They should have earlier, but they finally had like their eyes really opened with what happened with George Floyd Mm -hmm. to the disparities in our society. Um, And for the first time, I think we've been feeling burnout that people of color have been feeling their entire lives, Hmm. you know, and not that that's an excuse, but it's just like, there's been a lot going on. It's like, okay, we have, and it, people shouldn't have to deal with this either, but we as essentially younglings in this fight because Mm -hmm. we're just now joining it whereas we haven't had to deal with it our entire lives haven't found the ways that people who deal with this their entire lives cope with it on a daily basis and it can be overwhelming and it also can feel like it's just it's one thing after another after another after another another which i think speaks to the larger social issue of this shouldn't even be a problem anymore but the fact that it still is if we're now just becoming aware of it speaks volumes for how much of a problem it still is in america yeah well and it also spoke volumes about how um because the show like because mm-hmm. I, I went to the show later mm-hmm. like it was pretty packed it was a very packed show yeah and I was thinking to myself, it made me uncomfortable, not Mm. because people didn't say anything. I mean, that's a different issue. It made me uncomfortable because I don't think I would want to support something Mm -hmm. that also wasn't diverse. Like, you know, because locals getting hit by every which which way about being as inclusive as humanly possible if we even thought about even considering doing something like that, we would have been canceled online in seconds. An all white, all cis cast. Well, I mean, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that the cast was all cis because it wasn't, but (laughs) like if, if it were something like that, like a situation where it were an all white, Mm -hmm. all cis, cis cast. Yeah, of course, local, because the people who are involved with local art, a lot of them are incredibly diverse and come from Mm -hmm. different backgrounds. (laughs) But um, I think that it's, yeah, it's definitely our duty for establishments Mm -hmm. that aren't as, uh, involved with other disenfranchised communities as local right. is to to say something. Most and definitely. I, and I think I think what I would say, like if I was going to write this in one of my long essay posts, mm-hmm. I think I would actually end it with saying, all I'm really asking is that if you are put in a show chat, just look to your left and look to your right and just mm-hmm. make sure that it's a little bit diverse. If it's not, then I would hope that someone would say something. Just being like, hey, like, I don't know if this is already full, but like mm-hmm. I'm looking at roster here and I'm not seeing a lot of diversity mm-hmm. um, in the sense of um, our backgrounds. And it would be really great to include some other people in here. It's an easy conversation. Well, it, you know, I, so. I, I think nowadays it, it can be an easier conversation. Right. And now actually engaging with Danner, um, I know there's someone who's actually open to dialogue. So yeah. I, you know, it was wrong of me to not bring that stuff up be- just because you're right. I'm someone who's been very vocal about things and not that it's okay. That thing that this one thing kind of just didn't necessarily slip my mind, but it just didn't register as I need to get involved for. It's just a reality that I dropped the ball on it and all of us did. And I think that's back to the conversation we had earlier of we're all still human, but that's not necessarily an excuse. It's just a reality. So we have to learn to mm-hmm. be better with our humanity, but also still to the work especially when it's inconvenient yeah absolutely and i think too like just for anyone i'm not i'm not trying to like direct this specifically at you Mm -hmm. or anything but just for anyone that's that's trying to have like these types of conversations like these conversations every single time don't have to be a call out they don't have to be you going online and tagging the person in the post before you're having a conversation Mm -hmm. with the producers i think it's important to go to the source first have those conversations respond and react to how they're responding and reacting to you and then you know if they're not responsive and if they're not really receiving what it is that you're trying to mm-hmm. say about including a more diverse cast, then of course, like say something online because right. that, that then it's a problem. But um, I think definitely. I think a lot of this boils down to just like having conversations with one another. Yeah. Um, which you know we all, especially I think as stunted queer individuals, can have issues <laughs> with communication. <laughs> mm-hmm. So most definitely and. I think, too, we're moving in a direction where that can happen. 
and I'll use an example of a previous instance um, of how the situation could have been handled and how I could have done better with it is how I dealt with everything that happened with Sativa. You know, because mm-hmm. in that situation, I didn't go directly to the internet on that one. I literally talked to every single person possibly involved with it to figure out what was going on because I wasn't directly involved with it, but a lot of people around me were, including Sativa themselves. So I'm like, what is everyone's perspective? It comes back to what I talked about earlier. There's your truth, my truth, and the truth. So I was trying to get through everyone else's truth to the truth of what happened. And when I finally got there, that's when I address the issue and that's when I then made it public and what happened happened the dominoes fell where they did um and that is a way I think that's healthy because you're having a conversation hearing everyone's perspective on things maybe it took too long but I think ultimately that's a way to pursue dialogue on these aspects of things especially when there's multiple accusations flying around multiple places and that wasn't even to the level where this was at but maybe a way for people to just think before they necessarily jump into something. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, I think even, even on my end on that, like, especially since someone who I deeply care about and it is, I, and that I am so close with was involved. Like, I think that I probably could have handled it better. And, you yeah. know, instead of just staying out of it completely because I wasn't involved um, and like, Granted, I'm not on on Facebook anymore, so I wouldn't be making any posts anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't really bring anything super serious on my Instagram um, unless it's to do with my sobriety. I I probably could have had conversations with the people involved. And, you know, I need to practice what I preach as well as someone who is white and, uh, you know, knows that the people I care about are affected by a lot of these issues in our community. Right. And Coco, as now have triggering the white fragility and the white reaction in all of us, do you have more to contribute? Um, <laughs> thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, the funny thing is, like, I don't, like as we've, as our listeners have figured out, like me and Donatello always like use this to unpack trauma and things that are really getting on our nerves. Mm-hmm. And what I've, I've recognized with that, because like, so I had the incident myself too. So I have probably made the most... I am probably incredibly problematic to the hard of hearing slash deaf community because I just don't know enough um, and because I have the privilege of not learning more. And so working with Sonombre and working with Anjay Tifa and like, you know, working with them on the shows that they want to do and like how things are happening. And like there was um, a comment that was made and I might mess it up, but it was basically something about it. it, it, There was a word before needs, like one of the performers had to stop their like accessibility needs weren't being met or something like that. Um, their comfortability needs. I can't remember what the word was before. And I was asking, I went over and when Angie Tiva said it to me and I, I said, actually, what, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, well, the, the song that they learned, because the interpreters are in front of the performers to give song cues. And so the interpreter was interpreting it differently, like contextually, than the entertainer had learned it. And so they had to regroup and like go over the signs that would use they would use for cues and like however and like all this stuff the stuff that I would in a million years never had considered because mm-hmm. I have the privilege not to, and then also when it was happening I had asked, Anjay Tifa if, like had there been a deaf show like this before like a death drag show before and they said not really not like this um, where the audience is majority deaf and then we're also so many as an event manager of a bar we did so many things wrong and actually sorry i won't say wrong we stumbled a lot because we didn't um we weren't prepared enough i had tried to learn a few signs that would help with like tickets in the door and like all these other things um basically long story short like it was such a really great learning experience but i could also see how frustrating it would be from anybody participating in the show one of the entertainers actually did a thing um that came up that said I know everybody, they basically in their, in their performance uh, said, I know that everybody like, likes TikTok is kind of what they were trying to get at, but I have to scroll through so many videos before I find one that's captioned. And I know that we've been seeing captions on TikTok nowadays, but we also have to remember that it's still a privilege that if the next video I scroll through doesn't have captions and I can still laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, in that didn't even occur to me because you know we immediately think oh this video that's super great has captions this is a great job they're doing great work and then we laugh at the next one that doesn't have captions Mm -hmm. and we don't never really recognizing that we don't necessarily even have to care and Mm -hmm. like i and like that that comment of like i have to scroll through 20 videos before i find one that i can actually watch and laugh at 
And I just was like, I was like, it was so heartbreaking. And, and so I realized even in that capacity, I've never looked to my left and right and tried to wonder if I'm booking enough like um, deaf people to be in our shows, even though we have like a very small population of deaf drag mm -hmm. entertainers, like a very small mm -hmm. population of deaf drag artists or even art drag artists that um, can do ASL. I glad, I'm happy that, you know, locals incorporating ASL interpreters for all of our shows, but that was just another avenue to where, you know, if you're not thinking about it in the moment, mm -hmm. we can't move forward. And that's right. what really sucks. And I know that like white fragility comes into play in this one specific aspect mm -hmm. because they, it's like, I also know that it's tiring to also have to consider all of these things. And I know that the phrase goes be like, well, it's more tiring to be part of the marginalized group. Actually, sometimes it's not. It, it isn't mm -hmm. like sometimes it really can be exhausting when you have to think about every single thing that you can do that might offend somebody or hurt somebody in a moment. Sometimes you just want to be able to exist and sometimes make a mistakes and be get, and be forgiven because you're not knowledgeable enough. Gives yourselves a break a little bit, but then also Touche should have said something. <laughs> yes. 40 minutes Touché. just to say that. Touche should have said something. That's the moral of the story is y'all bitches are mad at me, but Touche, when she doesn't say something, gets yelled at by Coco. So Touche says things just to be safe. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a great motto in life. So we are kind of towards the end of our episode, but I wanted to leave it on more of a positive note. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you a question um, that's mm -hmm. a little bit more upbeat. How have your resolution conversations gone? How have your how have you repaired relationships that you may have damaged? How have you started working with people you didn't work with before? Um, that is a really great question, since most of this has been about how have I destroyed relationships. So thank you for bringing it back around. <laughs> um, they've been going really well. Uh, through essentially the fire, you have to learn how to either douse the flames or not get burned. So you have to learn to either be, okay, I'm going to take this heat. I'm going to deal with the consequences of what I'm going to say and what happens will happen. And it just will be on me to live with that. Or you have to find the way of putting out the fire, whether you're putting dirt on it, whether you're covering it with a blanket or whether you're putting out with water. When dealing with resolutions, it's very much like that as well. You have to find the way that you will deal with this person specifically. One of my most effective ones is sucking the air out of the room, not giving it fuel. So like not giving the person who necessarily I'm having issues with the power to continue to perpetuate it, just to take that away and just not exist in it anymore um, by disengaging. Another way is, you know, putting a blanket over it, like I did with Bougie. With me and Bougie, when we finally had our resolution, I sat down and I said, I know I've been shitty. I can't change what I've done in the past, but I've been an asshole to you. And I perpetuated a problem beyond what it should be. And I'm hoping that we can find a way to forgive each other and move past it amicably. And that was a really healthy way because they essentially reciprocated that and we both move forward. Or there's the That's other great. way of putting water on it. It's just like, we're going to drown this out. Yeah. We're just going to wash it away. So like, you got to find what works for the situation and tailor it for the specific fight that there is. Because sometimes also someone else gets involved and deals with it for you guys because you can't get to that point on your own. Yeah. No, that's oh, that's that's some tea, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very yeah. self-aware. That, was, that too. was very self-aware. Yeah. I really wish you would put most of this into practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, you have the answers yourself. I, you you, you do have all the answers. You're a very intelligent person, and Thank I you. I admire you a lot. I admire you for being outspoken and um, and for for being one of the first people when there is something like these. Uh, you know these, these dramas these scandals kind of to speak out if there is something that's going on and if people are really being harmed and and being treated poorly so yeah um, well i appreciate that um yeah. i don't do it for the accolades but it's nice to be acknowledged so thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah she's never done it for the accolades i can honestly and sincerely say that also listeners i know that this is probably a really jarring conversation for some of you because so the version of touche that me and donna get to see is pretty much authentic to who she actually is yeah versus the persona she puts on when she's in any public setting <laughs> and like and i know and this is so this is kind of a very real podcast that i i know that some people are probably immediately 
thinking, being like, oh, she's probably saying some of this stuff to like help her image, or she's probably just putting on a farce for the podcast or speaking this way, you know, for whatever. But this is actually more true to who she is. Mostly what you see in public is a little bit more of a farce. And that's why even when you see me and Touche arguing with each other, which is <laughs> every time we're out in public for every conversation and anything that we do, like I tell people this all the time, like I love her dearly and I will always support what she does. And it's because this is the version of Touche that I get to see. Yeah. Well, I have some of the best one-on-one -on -one conversations with you over the last like couple years that we've known each other. Our one-on-ones have always been very um, meaningful and when I'm not completely blackout wasted. <laughs> Um, and even, even even then, you know, blackout wasted talking about gremlins is kind of fun too. Sometimes it's so, so. fun. Like but... that's a deep conversation to have when you're shit face. It's like, why was the second movie not at another holiday? Like it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and my and for mine, I tell people all the time. I was like, I argue with her because I care about her. Yeah. Like, and I do, I have some of the best conversation with Touche and sometimes I call just a vent, but I will say this about Touche. The one thing, which I know some people think is a cop out. The one thing that I really appreciate is when I need assistance, she shows up. So like even yesterday, um, which would have been drama camp, um, cause I know this episode releases on Thursday. So this will be a week ago on last Saturday. And I called Touche and I said, I need your help. And she's like, well, what do you need? And I was like, I need somebody to help run sound inside. And she's like, okay, well, I'm putting on some pants and I'll meet you there. And she uh -huh. showed up and she did what was asked of her and she helped out and she was great. And then she did, and if she shows up to the bar and you're having a show, she'll tip tart for you. She'll tip tart for people she doesn't even really care for or appreciate. Like she'll help you zip up your clothes. She'll help you pack up. She'll walk you to your car. Yeah. She does all the physical action stuff that a good person would do. I do obviously want her to be more mindful in person with all the garbage that comes out of her stupid mouth. <laughs> but like outside of that, she is a good person. Person. So uh, this didn't mean to be like a let's help Touche repair her image episode, but like I think it's kind of turning into that a little bit. I love that. Well, I love too that this came from me harassing you in our group chat of, well, Coco, when you have me back on your podcast without unpacking my trauma and we just unpack my trauma again. So. Basically, basically. You also called us aging millennials. Yes. Give me them hot takes, please, I am after... on that Motorola Razor. I am, after all, you're much older uh that's what you you refer to me as your much, much older uh drag sister yes Jeez. much older aged like there's a generational gap at this point i'm pretty much um, your aunt at this point yeah. so really yeah yeah oh goodness the aunt or like the older cousin in your family that you call aunt or uncle because it's too weird to call them cousin <laughs> I have a lot of those because I was Same. the oldest great grandchild in my family. So like there was my cousin Katie, who's the youngest grandchild, and I was born when she was thirteen. Yeah. So like I have all these cousins who are like 10, 15 years older than me. Yeah. <laughs> so I just mm -hmm. call them aunts and uncles. So I feel yeah. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. same. I guess I still that. talk to none of them, but I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, There's dude. a few that have seen their way out of the cult that we I was raised in. We all we all understand that. Listen to our coming out episodes. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's what Tisha was talking about. We had her come out on our podcast, uh, talk about her story, and it was really traumatic. So mm -hmm. um, that's some tea. So I, I did want to leave everybody before we do our final goodbyes and everything. Thing. Um, I'm I'm dialoguing what's going on through all the stuff that we went talked about in this episode. I'm trying to see where we're going to get canceled. So this is what I will say. <laughs> so, yeah. Of all the information that you've learned here, obviously it's from firsthand perspectives and things like that. And a lot of the stuff we talked about is actually in the past. Mm -hmm. So there's like no reason for it to be like dredged up or anything like that. Like we have me and Touche host a pageant. To, well produce a pageant together mm -hmm. um, that actually Bougie's even going to be performing in when this episode airs. Thank God. Um, this will be yesterday. <laughs> so she can't hear it and cancel and not be yeah. in it. Um, but no, a lot of this stuff is in the past and it we've is. moved forward and we've learned like we grow as human beings and we're allowed to make mistakes. I think that as we important, especially doesn't let people grow from mistakes the way that they need to. People are too, too quick to cancel because apparently cancellation is fun so i just really huh. want everybody to be have a little bit more human kindness and like let people make mistakes and if we did say something in this episode of this podcast that is like 
just triggered you in a really horrible or problematic way, send us a DM. Have a private message with us. Have a conversation. Talk yeah. to us. Talk to and us. And if you want to have a conversation with me, Touche Douche, who is a guest on this podcast and doesn't read those DMs, you can come to any of my productions. I host Flush <laughs> on the first Tuesday of each month. I also host the Local Lounge Lavish Pucker Pageant on the first Wednesday of each month. And my brunch is to be announced, so please keep an eye out for that. But the working title is Bidet with Touche Douche. Come to any of these. Buy a ticket and I'll be happy to Talk shameless to oh, shameless idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of a gem of a secret podcast we will have a new episode for you next thursday and uh we hopefully will have some more interviews for you as well yeah i would ask touche to provide their instagram but they change it every 14 seconds so i've kept this one this one i really like what is it Touche likes beef. Is it still Touche likes beef? Still Touche likes beef. (laughs) I love that so much. So follow Touche likes beef on Instagram and we will see you all next time. And Touche, she's going to take it away with the outro that has been pre recorded. So here you go, Touche. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret podcast. The hosts of HM of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at the Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is a j e m of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>